This hour is brought to you by CarX Tire and Auto, online at carx.com. Fields moves in the pocket and gets away. Justin Fields takes off, turns a sack into a big game and a first down. Justin Fields, otherworldly, stays in and steps out at the nine. Out of bounds, inside the ten. That doesn't make it any bit less impressive. Superman does it again. What? Are you kidding me? He is him. He is him. I don't want to hear it anymore. He is him. Oh, my goodness. You know, it was going to be my first question, like what Jarrett thought of Justin Fields' season, but... I think he speaks for all of us there. I mean, we're all doing the same thing. You got a you got a play-by-play guy. That's Joe Davis, who in the middle of seeing it says otherworldly and Superman. Born of Krypton. Right? Yeah. That's Man. a really big important thing. You heard the reactions there of our next guest, Jarrett Payton, who is on Twitter at Payton Sun, WGN TV Sports anchor, co-host of GN Sports. He is with us. On the score hotline brought to you by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book, and on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Chicago670. The score. Hey, Jared. Dan Lawrence, what's going on? I, I don't think I have my voice back from that day. Like that afternoon, sitting in my house, everybody was home. My wife was in the room. She was folding laundry. My daughter was in our. The room right by us on her iPad and my son was downstairs probably on his phone watching YouTube and I freaked out and they all ran into the room like, Dad, what's going on? What's going on? I'm like, Justin Fields is what's going on, kids. Like, he is the truth. And um, I'm going to stick by that. And last night, the tweet that I put out just of, you know, all these people out here, I, I was searching through Twitter and I saw a lot of different people from different fan bases having Photoshop Justin Fields in their uniforms. And, but then I see all the hate as well of people that are calling him just a running back and this and that. And my thing is, is for Chicago fans, I think we're good with what we got. So if you want to hate on him and you want to have your opinions, I'm fine with that, but just stay on your side, stay on your side, say what you got to say, but leave us over here as Bears fans to be able to enjoy what we have. And I think, look forward to the future that we have in front of us because things are looking brighter up at house hall. What are the things that you thought he did well this season? What are the things that you feel like he can improve? Um, well, I, I got to give Luke Getze some, some credit for kind of making that switch after, after the, the commander's game of really honing into what he does well and getting him on the move. I think with the, the issues with the offensive line, I wasn't, we weren't able to, kind of break him down as much as we want to. Um, But there were some times when you watch the film, Lawrence, where protection was good and he wasn't hitting the guys that he needed to hit, some of the easy throws that were there. I think what I loved about him is that he adapted to what he needed to do to be able to help his team win or stay in games. And that is something that we're not accustomed to seeing with, you know, his college film of him running around all the time. We didn't see that at college. And I don't know things were different at Ohio State because of the athletes he had around him, especially at the wide receiver position. When you got guys like Chris Olave that are out there running routes, it's easy to be able to scheme a little bit more guys being wide open. In the NFL, everything, those windows close just a little bit faster. So 
I want to see him, I think, get better at. I know everybody talks about being a better passer. I, I want to see him take what the defense is giving him at times as well. Um, I think understanding just understanding protections and then also understanding just coverages a little bit more where there are easy throws for him to be able to make, to hit those, reset, and let's live to fight another day. I think as you grow this this roster just a little bit, you guys, I think it, you can take away maybe hopefully we never see him rush for over a thousand yards ever again as a quarterback, right? That means we're we're saving his legs, we're saving protecting him from himself, and also those big hits that can can take a, a quarterback from us uh, early in their careers. But on on some of those runs where you see him trying to take it the distance, sixty yards, like if it's there, take it. But if there's an opportunity to get the first down a little bit more, get down, reset get the offense back and going. I think having more weapons around will give him more confidence that, listen, I don't have to take it myself all the time. I got guys out here that can go get the football. I got a running game that I can rely on. Let's just kind of put this in place and and, and let myself live to fight another day and instead of having to do things because you started to see the toll take on him as the year went on, right? There are certain runs later in the year where those legs looked heavy because of a lot of the he's not used to to all that. And you're also, man, when you're when you're starting every single game, man, it, it becomes a toll as well. And plus when you have a team on your back, it's it's kind of it's kind of tough. But I'll be honest, I, I love the progression that I saw in him. And I think as a leader, there's something to be said about that. And I also believe in my heart that he's a guy that is first in, last to leave. I've seen it with my own eyes, that he's gonna be a guy that's gonna work his tail off to be able to get better at some of those things that he needs to work at. Did you see the end of Texans Colts live by any chance? Uh, I I saw it live, Dan, from from my phone. I, I didn't get a chance. I was watching it on ESPN on the, on the app, so I didn't get a chance to watch it because my son was playing basketball. I thought if the Bears were going to lose this game, that I was going to be able to go watch my son play a little hoops before I had to go into work. And then there you are watching Lovey try to help the Bears out and give them a because solid. As crazy as you were going, that that's what was happening to me when we were. I don't know. My kid got some some weird bootleg feed of the game that was going in and out, <laughs> and we're sitting there on the couch, and I'm and I'm like, well, it's fourth and twenty from the twenty eighth. Ah, damn it, that's it. And then I went, oh my god, they scored a touchdown because well, I got you- the update, and then and then we got the video back, and we were, we were running around crazy. Well, Dan, you did that at, at home. I screamed like that in a gym with my son and his his boys at the free throw line, and everybody's quiet. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I, I Thank you. I love you, Smith. He didn't have to do that, and especially when it was 4th and 20. I was like, there's no way they're getting this. And I saw they scored, and then I'm waiting, trying to refresh to see uh, what are they going to do. Are they going to go for two? And um, when I saw they were going for two, I'm like, man, I love you, lovey. Just this lay it all on the line. He knew that something was coming down the pipeline for himself. And he was like, you know what? We're going to win this game. And I respect him for that, for for doing that, because he didn't have to do that. He could have kicked the field goal, went to overtime, whatever he needed to do. But he decided to be able to give his old team a solid. So uh, I'm, I'm very, very thankful. And now look where, look where we're at, right? Because you think about the beginning of the year, and I've told you guys this because I was upset a little bit with, Wait, Ryan Poles at the beginning because I was hoping coming into the season you were going to add around Justin Fields, make him better, give him the help that he needs. Then when I saw he didn't make 
the moves that I thought he was going to make and the moves that he didn't make, I was like, okay, now I see what he's doing. Well, he went by the book. He went by, we're going to bottom this thing out. We're going to get rid of contracts, get rid of household names like Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn and Roquan Smith. And we're, we're going to figure this thing out. They bottomed out three wins and lucked up to get the first overall pick. And now you're sitting in the driver's seat right now. And if you play your cards right, see if you can, maybe it's not a haul for the number one pick, but maybe you, you get something because I'll be honest, I don't believe they're, I don't believe they're going for a quarterback. So I'm not even, I'm not even going to play into that scenario. I, I don't believe it's true at all. So Ryan Pohl's not saying, saying that he had to be blown away by a prospect. I think it's just being having a good poker face and playing his cards right. Dan, I don't know if you know this about Jared, but he knows everybody. Like he really knows everybody, and like Wanstead does. Yeah, it's it, it's similar because like you'll see you'll be having a conversation with Jared, and he'd be like, "Oh yeah, you know, I was I was talking with Roger Goodell about that." Uh, you know, like he's he's that guy. You know, like he knows all the people. So I'm curious, what have your people told you about Kevin Warren? Oh, yesterday I was on the phone all afternoon, all morning with people that are close with Kevin Warren and um, it never, the stuff about, I, I think some of the stuff that people were tweeting me about, about his time at the Big Ten and during the COVID year, that came up a lot on my social feed. It didn't come up in the conversations that I was having with people that know him. Um, most people wanted to talk about the man and who he is. I'm impressed and blown away by the man himself who he is, what he stands for, what he's all about, and how he conducts his business. Listen, if you are a square, you are not going to get in his circle. You you better you you better be a circle to sit, fit in that circle. If you're a square, you're not fitting in. He is all about his business and he's all about building things up for success. And I think the way that he demands respect from others around him is what excites me the most because I think that's going to play into the role of what you want to see with this Bears organization moving forward. And um, and I probably, I know he won't be upset to mention his name, but I, I was talking to Chris Zorich yesterday and Chris and I were just having a conversation. He was, he was Kevin Warren's first client and when he was an agent and he was just telling me stories about how, how he would hit him up all the time, send him stuff and resources that he would need, not just for football, but life outside of football to be able to help him out. How he helped him with his foundation about, you know, packing toys and stuff like that, that he was giving away in the back of a uh, U-Haul truck. Like it's things that you, you want to hear about a person. I heard in those conversations, but I commend George McCaskey for looking outside of the organization to make this move. Um, we're so used to seeing someone like Ted Phillips has been there forever. He held the position for 24 years. And for people out there listening who have an issue with Ted, I got to tell you guys, uh, you will never hear a bad word come out of my mouth about Ted. Um, I know him as a person. I know him as a man. I've sat down, had dinner with him, wine with him. Uh, he's one of the coolest dudes you will ever meet. He's a businessman. Um, football wise, you can, you can critique him on, on football stuff. But when it comes to business and what he's done for the organization, what he's done for the McCaskey family, who I look at as family to me, uh, um, and what he's done for my family and helping my dad's image and likeness and also just his legacy with that organization, I, I'm very, very grateful. But to have a guy like Kevin Warren move in into that position and just think about it. And I, was, I heard it from different people. Just think about how it looks 
it's going to look with McC George McCaskey walking with Kevin Warren at with some of those owners' meetings. I think uh, that people are going to know that we are really about our business. And I think that's what's going to change is that we're here now. And to see all of these things come together, and I can't stress this enough, and you guys know me, I don't uh, see color when it comes to, to people. I just see people for who they are. But to, if you would have told me that franchise quarterback would look like me, if you tell me that the, the GM would look like me and now the president and CEO look like me, um, it's, it's cool to know that, that we have prominent black men that are in these positions and that are qualified for these positions as, as well. And it, it really does uh, warm my heart that uh, it's something that I never thought we would see, but we're seeing it here in Chicago. When you said that Ted helped with your dad's image and likeness, what exactly did he help you do? <laughs> Well, it's more of like the, the statue. Um, we, you know, our relationship with the NFL, the Bears, when it comes to jerseys and all that other stuff, all all the stuff that deals with the family stuff, his image and like this. Matt Matt Suey is the guy when it comes to that. My dad left Matt in charge. I don't know if you guys know that. I didn't his, know that. Of yeah, of his image and likeness. So his his best friend, the guy that blocked for him, um, he literally left in charge. And he's still blocking for him then still, still blocking for him, Dan. It's the craziest thing in the world and the things that I've learned. And so the relationship that I've had with Ted has been phenomenal. And um, that's why it's when you look at the resume football wise, it's rough because there's not a lot of winning there when it comes to championships and what you're supposed to do when you're in that position. Um, but when you look at the things on the outside of what he's done from the business side to really to really take this organization, this franchise to another level, when you talk about what it's worth, um, he's been he's been phenomenal there. And uh, you can critique the, the wins and losses if you want to. But I think uh, moving forward, you have a guy in Kevin Warren that I think that's going to be able to really work alongside not only the business wise. And you look at what he did at U.S. Bank Stadium when he was CEO of the Vikings. He helped construct that. He helped also find the funding for that. Well, there's a there's a place in Arlington Heights that is looking like kind of bare right now that could use uh, some construction mm -hmm. and, and, a, and a remodel. I think he's the perfect guy to be able to take over the reins to help the, the franchise and the McCaskies do that, but also as well um, to be able to, to help and be there and be a sounding board for for uh, Ryan Poles and what he needs to do because uh, it, it's kind of looking like that sounding board on his side, Ian Cunningham could be on his way out pretty soon with all these interviews that he has. He's interviewing with Tennessee on Saturday. So we'll see what happens there. Dan and I were having a conversation earlier about George McCaskey and for him, he, he's quirky. I mean, anyone who's ever spent any time around George would, would admit to him being quirky, but we were talking about how it's very clear that he took counsel from people who were different than him. I know that you've talked to him. I know Sam Acho talked to him. I know Lamar Sue Campbell talked to him, Tanisha Waite. Like, it seemed very clear that when things were unraveling around the nation in 2020, he, he took it upon himself to learn, and it looks like he's applying a lot of what he learned talking to people. I don't, I don't know how much you can share about conversations that you've had with George, but can you give us 
your impression of what George is like and and how cool it is that we're seeing the Bears do stuff that's different than what they were doing before. I know this is going to sound um, like, you know, just company talk, but um, I, I I love George to death. I, I, tr- I truly do. He he is probably, when it comes to that family, who I'm the closest with. Um, we, we, we do have... We have communications, and it's at throughout our, you know, uh, throughout a year, it's always crazy how it all kind of comes together. But I respect him for being honest with who he is as a person, his knowledge of, of the game of football, and I think he's starting to understand that listening to those people that are around him, that have that football knowledge are only going to help him make better decisions. And I think with the decisions that we've seen so far with putting people in positions of power in the organization, I think he's moving in the right direction. I think he's understanding that. For people out there who think that he does not want to win, that is further furthest thing from the truth. George wants to win football games. He wants to be there. He wants this organization to be at the top of the top. I think over time, when you are keeping things in house, sometimes it's hard because you're just you're either putting things in house and you're also even most of the time with hires, you're hiring people for, that are doing their job the first time. And that is they're learning on the job, which this Kevin Warren thing is totally out of the opposite. He, he spent 21, 22 years in, in executive positions in the NFL. So he knows. So I think. When you do things for so long one way, you have to be able to change if you want a different result. And I think that's what we're seeing now. But people don't know that George, the heart that he has, man, the dude still I, sometimes out where he lives is 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 umping uh, little league baseball games and stuff. Like he he's he's he does things that you wouldn't think that when you look at a guy that is uh, the chairman of a of a pro football team that's worth billions of dollars would do. But he's that regular guy, and um, and the last time that we saw him was when we were uh, Jalen Johnson was getting the the Man of the Year nominee for the Bears, and he came in. My mom was there, and we just just great conversation. He always stops and talks, and he's there. And so every year, I got to share this because I think it's the coolest thing about George, and people don't know this, but. He, Every year he comes to our man of the year, like luncheons when we had him back in the day. And so he, the year in Miami, when Allen Robinson was the Bears nominee, not only did he come to the lunch, and then most of these owners do come to the lunch, but then you don't see him and they leave. But we started doing a community event afterwards. We go to a boys and girls club and all these, all the nominees get a chance to be able to interact with the kids. Every year that we've done that for the last three years, George has been the only owner at the events to be with the kids and helping out. And he's not there just to be there for photos. He is there and he's, he's helping out. And that's what shows me what kind of man he is. It's not like, oh, we need you to come. He wants to be there. And that's why I'm so appreciative of him. That's why I'm very thankful for him. And I'm proud that now we're starting to see some of these decisions that he's making now. He's putting smart people around him to help take this organization to that next level. Wow. That's cool stuff. Yeah. I, I'm sorry, man. I know I, I, I didn't, I don't, I didn't want to put 
put that all out there, but I mean, it's, it's no, that's great. That's, that's who, that's, that's who he is as, as a man. And, and, um, that's what, and that's I'm what Dan all, and I were talking about. Yeah, like, you know, yeah. we, we both have had instances where we've seen George do it, but it's just, I, I'm really like impressed where it's clear that, you know, how sometimes like people, they talk to you and you can tell that they're not going to listen to what you said. Like they're just kind of waiting to talk. And it seems pretty clear that George asked people specifically what it is that he needed to learn and he's learning it and he's applying it. And it doesn't mean that he's going to do everything correctly or perfectly, but his willingness to do it, I, I think needs to be discussed. Yeah. His love for the bears is, is true. I mean, I'll never forget. Um, and this is other this is stuff that people know. Cause if you meet him and you're not a bears fan, then you know this story. But if you are a bears fan, you, you won't know, but he, he does. He carries around cards in his wallet when he meets people like Packers fans and like hands them a card and we'll send them stuff. You know what I mean? Like there's, it's, we'll always say like, it's, we can still convert you. You know what I mean? Like we were, it, we were, we were, yeah, I, it's the coolest thing. I'll never forget. I, I posted a video on my, it was a long time ago in Houston. We were outside the hotel. He was going for a run and these two kids walked by with Aaron Rodgers jerseys on and he stopped them in mid conversation when they're with their parents and handing them a card and told them like, yo, like there's you no, know, there's still time to be able to, uh, to convert you. There's and, another like, way. Yeah, there's another way. And, and we'll send them stuff. And like, I, I just, I take that to heart about who he is as a person. And, um, it's hard from people on the outside who, don't get these interactions with him or don't get a chance to be around him. So um, I've always said that when I have an opportunity to be able to talk about the person that he is, the man that he is, take the football away. Um, he, he's, he's one of those guys that's uh, truly special in my heart, man. I'm, I'm very appreciative of him and his, and his family. Jared, this was awesome as per usual. Thank you, sir. We appreciate your time. Hey man, as always, you too. I enjoy it. And, uh, Tell Ray Diaz, I said, what's up, Ray? It's my boy. Yeah, Ray's a good man. And so are good you, Jared. We appreciate you. Appreciate you anytime, fellas. Take care. That's Jared Payton. You can watch him on Channel 9. They do all sorts of good stuff. GN Sports 1030. You check out all the shows, and Jared's right there for you. We need to put a bookend on something we discussed yesterday yeah. because we, we proposed that there would be some – not if not vindication, some mitigation of the end of the the Bulls game that we've been lamenting. But apparently, there's no vindication or mitigation in this dancery. Nope. Bernstein and Holmes, middays ten to two on Sports Radio six seventy the score, the score, and six seventy the score dot com and Odyssey, Odyssey station. station. 5.7 seconds left. Bulls down 197 near hash mark. Caruso to Zach Levine. Dribble drive. Comes up shooting foul at right. No. Pulled down by Avdia. And that's the ball game. And the Bulls lose. Uh, we tried to get a, you know, get a three off. And then when I went in to go pull up, I think it was um, whoever came off of Alex. Going right. Going right. Fouled me. So, you know, my instinct was just to go up and try to get a three-point play. And I was going for a pull up when he fouled me. I just... I shot it. They didn't call it. That's how it is. Your instincts are uh, trash. He just, you got to shoot a three there. Hey, Studs, can you do me a favor? I need you to load back up Chuck's call of the final. 
because I want you to listen for something specific. Good choice of the music, though. So, I want you to listen for as Chuck is describing. Oh, the moan of when yes. he just goes, oh. Levine it, driving instead of shooting a it's, three. It's a Ron Santo. Listen to Bill Winnington just be exasperated. 5.7 seconds left. Bulls down 197 near hash mark. Caruso to Zach Levine. Dribble drive. Comes up shooting foul on right. No. Pulled down by Abdia. And that's the ball game. And the Bulls lose. He gasped. Yeah, it's, a, it's a gasp. He's like, what? What are you doing? It's like the Tom there. Oh, no. Yeah. I love that. That's so good. Bill's reaction it's, is everything that tells on that you, clip. That is right there. That, that tells you exactly what happened. So the one good thing about the NBA is we can know. We can know if those fouls occur when those referees go through the last two minutes with their fine-tooth video comb. Yep. So Casey Johnson wrote about this, NBC Sports Chicago. And um, here, here's what they said in the two-minute report. The daily slice of drama from the league's officiating office said, that Wright legally challenged Levine as Levine surprisingly has skewed a, a three-point attempt to drive for a mid-range jumper in the waning seconds of the Bulls' 100-97 loss to the Washington Wizards. The official wording was, quote, Wright makes clean contact with the ball and then retracts his arm from Levine's path to avoid follow-through contact during the drive, close quote. So not even the two-minute report is here to save Zach Levine from his bad decision that he made. Mm-hmm. And he's out here, oh, no, he told me that he got me. He told me, well, ball don't lie, and apparently neither does the video. And even if he were fouled, it wouldn't have mattered. Correct. It's still the wrong thing to do. Such a bad play. So after the show yesterday, I retweeted the video that Mike Rankin found. When I had mentioned, I thought I was the only one to see the play on which Kyle Kuzma ran into Andre Drummond and fell down, and he was lying underneath the basket, and Drummond flips the ball up, and it goes through the basket after the whistle, well after the whistle, goes through the basket, and it falls down, and it hits Kyle Kuzma right in the balls. And the video is in my Twitter feed because I knew it happened. I I thought I was the only one who saw it. And then other people jumped on and said, it happened again later. And it did. It, he got hit in the newts. He got hit kind of in the chest or the, the like the, the abdomen. The he, bread basket. But the same thing later with like two minutes left in the third. Where he's lying on the ground after he got fouled and Vooch shoots a three after the whistle. It's an air ball. And it lands right on <laughs> I mean, between getting hit in the newts twice and getting punched in the face on a play that wasn't called a foul and having the bridge of your nose bleeding. Well, he got raked. It was Derek Jones's nail cut him on the bridge of his nose. He looked like the the Tom Cruise negotiated uh, post... Fight or post car accident wounds. Who was the Who was the the guy? Was it a Viking that always like the bridge of his nose? Was it like Jim Klein saucer? One of those guys where the bridge of his nose yeah. was always bleeding. Yeah, I'm not kidding though. For Tom Cruise, if it, if you he, he usually has blood on the bridge of his nose, dripping a little bit down one side, and then a trickle down one cheekbone. No matter what caused it, no matter what kind of movie, it's negotiated. He actually has it in his contract. I would love his, to see a Tom Cruise contract. That his facial wounds have to be depicted in a certain way. Because you can't insure them. 
Is he's a maniac? This stunt. Have you seen? Yes. The- we're out of the plane. Where are they? Motorcycle. Yeah. Out of the plane. They did it six. Or times. Off the cliff. Six times. And he parachutes down. They let the the, the bike drops and he parachutes down. What? He's a complete maniac. I I think I saw an interview with Tom where he was talking about. I think someone asked him like Jimmy Kimmel or something was like, "How do you get insured?" And he's like, "Well, I go to the people that are running the movie." And then they send me to the person that tells me that I can't be insured. Then I have that person fired. <laughs> and then I go ahead and I do my stunt. Or he could just wave it. Right. Yeah. I mean, he could just he could say, look, I'll, I'll cover myself. It's wild. But I, I, I really respect it. Like, he's like, you know what? Screw it. I, I want this stunt to look like I did it. He's a 60-year-old man, too. Wild. Like, you should not only not be in physical condition to do that stuff, but have a sense of your own mortality at that point. How much money would you need, Dan? All of it. Give me a to number. parachute? Let, let's, say, let's say that you're in, in Mission Impossible 6. And <laughs> it's like, a very different movie. <laughs> The impossible mission is <laughs> yes, getting, getting it is. your kid to hockey practice. Yeah, it is it is a very different movie at and, that point. And yeah. they say, Dan, look, we we could do this with a stunt double, but we need we only need one take. You're gonna go off this cliff and you're gonna parachute out. We'll take the one take that we get. How much money do you need to do it? What am I getting paid for the movie? You're Tom Cruise, so you're probably getting 35, 40 million then for I, the then they can they can get a stunt double and do it. Ray, what would it take for you to do the stunt? On top of what you're making for the movie. Oh man. That yeah, that I'd have to go with the stunt double for that. I'd have to think about what the, the price would be, man. Why? Well, I'm not trying to I can't put I'm a number tra- on it. I, I know, right? <laughs> I'm not trying to ruin myself, man. What about Wild Man Studzinski? Oh, this guy over No, here. I'm choosing life. No. Really? Really? The, the, to that level of... I don't think... See, here's... I have a thing with parachuting in general. I'll never do it because I'm not going to jump out of a perfectly good airplane. It just seems stupid. It's it's too close to natural selection for me. So, no, I'm not jumping <laughs> off the cliff. Just the one the one time you get a badly packed exactly. parachute. It takes one. It takes once. One, one time, time and that's one, it. You're one, gone. one guy who just wasn't uh, feeling well when he when the parachute got packed. Yeah, and something's not quite right with and your D-ring. And then there's no Mission Impossible yeah, Six. There's too, right? there's too many too many question marks in there for me, so I'm not doing it. No, can't can't spend that money if you're not around for it, man. It's can't, true. Can't do it. All right. Get a green screen and I'll jump onto some pads. The the six three zero says mission uninterested. <laughs> yeah, that 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 works. That's too. the name of your movie. Well, there are some things too, like like when they say. Harrison Ford tells the story about the scene when 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 Belloc pushes him into the 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 tomb and he's face to face with the cobra that there's plexiglass in between him and the cobra but like stuff like that where you're dealing with the people wrangling like poisonous snakes and you're having that level of uncertainty. Like what if you land and the plexiglass falls or the snake just decides, oh, yeah, I, I can get over or around or because under this. I'm a snake. Exactly. exactly. There's nominees, by the way, for the football players always bleeding from the bridge of the nose. Yeah, yeah. Did, did, was I right that it was Jim Klein sauce? I feel like it was Kim, but Eight, maybe I was wrong. 815 says Bill Romanowski. Yes, yes. That's a good one. And he says there was a fullback. He was from, doing it on the way to rally. He says a fullback from Philly whose name I can't remember. There is a nomination for J.J. Watt, one for Chuck Cecil. He was just a headhunter. Just a 
I mean, JJ Watt often has the bridge of his nose bleeding. Sometimes I think I feel like Larry Zonka. Yeah, Larry Zonka. I I don't know why I have Jim Klein saucer on my mind, but I feel like it was him or maybe some other Viking where you'd see him. You like. Why is this, the game hasn't started. Why is this guy's bridge of his nose bleeding? Like the Hanson brothers? Yeah. It, or Corey Schlesinger? That might be who was I'm he, thinking of. He was the sledgehammer fullback that, on the Lions. That might be who I'm thinking of. Instead Remember of Corey Klein, Schlesinger? Yes. Like that, that, they just used him as an isolation block in the hole Battering against Erlacher. Like, yes. Go wipe out the mic. Is his job. Brian Cushing is another one. that is. Why are all these guys white? You know why? Because we're crazy. White people are crazy. That's why. You know why? Why every single one of these dudes the, is from Central Cast? Because the brothers know not to run into things with their face. Well, there. Who's that? That's, that's that? why, like Aaron Rowan and all of these. You know, the, the, another guy often Adam Eaton and all the schmucks running around the outfield who like to run into stuff. Oh my god! It's all white dudes. One of the best moments I ever had as a reporter was Robin Ventura at spring training talking about Adam Eaton. And Robin just very matter-of-factly saying, it really makes no sense to run into a wall when the ball is 10 rows up in the stands. And we would like Adam to stop doing that. And he wasn't laughing. Like, it was just like, wow. And, and, and you know. you so cold. You had, you had heard that not well-liked. Like, organizationally, like, not well-liked. And I'm sitting there in front of Robin, and Robin was dead ass. He's like, yeah, that's stupid. We shouldn't be doing stuff like that, especially in spring training, and especially when the ball is 10 rows up. Hustle jerk. I watched. I was going so hard, it ran into the wall. At least Aaron Rowan caught the ball. My favorite Adam Eaton story is when they were recording radio liners, like the stuff that you hear the Bulls doing here, like where they say, hi, this is Billy Donovan. You're listening to the home for this. I'm Alex Caruso, and this is your home for Bulls basketball. IOs are really good. I like the ones that he does for us. Yeah, that Adam Eaton apparently demanded to be paid. Oh, and you know what the answer is? We don't need it. We're good. Thank you, Adam. Yeah, even even like his teammates, like, dude, just do the liner. It's just something we do as part of our the, the language of our standard contract. It's already negotiated into the MLB contract that the flagship radio station is allowed to ask us to do these things as part of our jobs. He's like, nope, 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 nope. Like, Come on, man, the worst. Please, I brought him back here. I know, and Why? then and then cut him. <laughs> Gave him $7 million. And then cut him. And cut him. White Sox baseball. <laughs> we remain skeptical. <laughs> that's the, that's, that's the, If we had more time today, I would, Dan, I would play you a cut that made my blood boil yesterday when it came to the White Sox. I, we got all this. Uh, all right. Okay. I don't, I don't want to be this guy today. Like, that's the problem. I don't want to be that guy. Friday. It's a weekend. Nobody cares. All right. When we come back, I heard something yesterday that was so White Sox that I was throwing punches in the air when I saw it. We'll do that next on the score. 
Bergstein and Holmes. Middays 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. Go White Sox. I was just in the hallway and... Yeah, Toto. Hold the line by Toto finding its way into the rotation. I just saw yeah. Pat Hughes holding court with a bunch of Cubs fans as they get ready to head over to Cubs convention. It It's, like, awesome. Like, you're in the hallway and Pat Hughes is just talking about baseball. It just feels good. Mm-hmm. Him and Coom and, and Zach are up there holding court right now. Um, look, I have to throw out all the caveats. I really like Joe Kelly. Here we go. And I think Joe Kelly's a quality individual mm-hmm. and a pretty good pitcher when healthy. I was not happy that he kind of used the White Sox as rehab last year, and he is going to be very important this year, obviously, because of, of, of what's going on with Liam. Okay. I'm watching a clip that Chuck Garfine threw out on the White Sox Talk podcast, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, man, he better not say what I think he's getting ready to say. And he said what I was hoping that he wouldn't say. When you have, you know, half of a team who doesn't live up to the potential or play to their abilities, that is us. That's what happened with us. That's the White Sox. That's a record of 81 and 81. Um, So the good news is, is that we played terrible and you know we we were right there at 81 and 81 um and that's the bottom of the barrel that's saying you know that was pretty much worst case scenario worst, if someone would say what's the white Sox if they all crap the bed there you'd, you'd see it right there it'd be 81 and 81 so you know if you're just playing the numbers game that most likely you know lightning's not going to strike twice so i'm definitely looking forward to this year um you know obviously with, with pedro coming in um you know, it's always it's always good to have a, a, a new face and, and, and a new leader. Um, but last year was all about not playing great. Uh, I'm with you. At least it's a relief pitcher and it's not. He's your closer. I know, but it's it's a player saying it. It's, it's a player it's saying di- it, but it's also like, OK, I, I, this is what I always worry about with this group. Where they're like, it'll be our turn. Right. It'll just—it's a passive way of if things will just come around to us soon. And it doesn't take into account all the things that went right for them. It doesn't take into account Johnny Cueto shows up, Elvis Andrus right. shows up. It doesn't take any of that stuff into account. It's all just dark clouds, and now everything's going to be fine. Even though your your most consistent player. Place for the Astros now. I know that I am just a a beaten and battered White Sox fan. But come on! Like, hey, we finished 500, you know, all all that. We finished 500 and everything went wrong. Everything didn't go wrong. A lot of stuff went wrong. Some stuff went right. Went, Went right to a level that you didn't deserve as a team. And, and... And let's not forget that your 81 and 81 meant you finished 11 games behind the first place team. And they clowned you afterward and yes! made fun of you for being easy to beat and for beating yourselves, so oh. to speak. By the way, I, I understand that, that we've got a thing going on in the, the Blue Cross Blue Shield <laughs> performance studio, like you say, that they're holding court. But does that mean, like, 
randos. Randos get to walk around here like and yes. put their nose to the glass like we're zoo animals. Yes. Like we're the missing clouded leopard. And seriously. Clouded leopard. Like who's is, is somebody like they, they're not even escorted by somebody here. I think it'll be fine. Hey, you guys want to go uh, wander around the studios? Want to go air your grievances with Dan and Lawrence? Seriously. Read, look at the text, read the emails, and look at the tweets and tell me those. What if it's one of those people? Yeah, got some for them. Come on in here if you want to. I'm going to be yeah. like Chaz Paul and Terry. Now you can't leave. <laughs> you packing? Well, you know. All right. You know, I got to watch out for my partner. I know my partner is nonviolent. I can be pushed to violence. <laughs> I wouldn't worry. Nobody we saw out there would really worry me. No. Maybe Coom, but that would well, yeah, worry you about You see that giant smiling head. And I, and hope like, he's, oh. I hope he's wearing whatever that wonderful cologne is. Yeah, he always smells great. He, but with something is just that he's got. I want to find out. I don't wear cologne, but whatever whatever that is, is just is is just. On point. Yeah, it's I, like I was saying, like you see Pat Hughes and you're like, man, baseball is like, shout out and congratulations to Pat Hughes. You talk about a deserving figure in broadcasting. I'm very happy for him. I've always really, really liked him. Whenever I've filled in for Zach on Cubs pre and post, I've been treated extremely well by Pat Hughes. And he always like, you know, I, I kind of hold Pat Hughes up. Like he he's a real dude, right? And, and, I always feel bad when he comes here and we're, you know, doing our penis jokes and stuff. I'm like, Pat usually need to be hearing that. He's a real guy. And he comes in here and he's like, oh, you guys are doing great. I'm like, you don't have to say that. We know we're idiots. We're sorry. We'll have a Patrick joining us in a little bit. Patrick Wisdom is scheduled to talk Cubs with us from the convention at 125. But Kevin Fishbane is waiting in the wings with his Friday appearance. Coming up talking Bears and NFL on the score.